the series that we're going to start today is on um, peace and contentment. Peace and contentment. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a really well-known, there's a really well-known Bible verse that, you know, people quote all the time. It's the one that you quote with your football team. You know, it's the one that you quote when you're trying to get an A on an exam. It's the, it's the verse that you put on your refrigerator when you're, you know, trying to make first chair trumpet. And it's, I can do all things through Christ who, what? Strength. Anybody know that verse? I guess I got to educate our church a little bit more. Um, Philippians 4, 3, I can do all things through Christ. And you'll see guys will put this on their, their eye stuff, you know, football. And it kind of means I can crush you in the name of God and he's for me. And, 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 you know, and I think all that has its place. It's well and good. But the interesting thing about that verse is where it's found in its context. I can do all things. So it's not saying I could, my team can beat your team and all that. I mean, you can find applications for it. But it's Paul writing, and he's writing to the church in Philippi, and what he's saying is, um, I, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be content. The thing that he was saying he could do, I can do anything through Christ, is I can learn how to be content in any and every circumstance. Let's look at this verse together. Philippians 4, 12, it says this. Uh, I know what it is to be in need. Anybody can identify there? Anybody know what you, to, to have some needs, to be under-resourced? Let's, let's pause for a minute. Who's ever been under-resourced before? Huh? Kraft macaroni and cheese, 25 cents a box. Am I, am I hitting home? May have been under-resourced. Anybody have the, the uh, we don't have money for furniture, but I've got some um, of those cement blocks, and if you put a two-by-four through the middle of them, you can have a double shelf there. Anybody been there? All right. So Paul goes, I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. You know, God bless you if you've been to a stage in your life where you've had plenty or you've had enough, you've had your bills paid. Now, probably all of us struggle to realize how much plenty we have. You can get an app. You can, you can download an app that will tell you your world ranking. You can download an app. It will tell you your world ranking. And right away, no matter how, how much you feel like you don't have that much, you will immediately, immediately realize that you're unbelievably blessed and fortunate and favored. This is especially in the financial category. And I know it can be hard to think that way because our minds can tend to think about what we don't have, right? But you will immediately learn uh, how blessed you are. But whatever that is, and by the way, when, when these guys say they have plenty, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of fascinating because you can think about the the, the, nicest, the nicest piece of transportation that anybody had in that day was like people carrying them around on a cart. In other words, the richest person in the world doesn't have a Ford Taurus with air conditioning. In other words, so being blessed or favored or fortunate or, or prosperous is a very relative term. Paul goes, I've had both. And he says, I, I've learned the secret of being, let's say it together, of being what? content in any 
and every situation. So this was the verse I was going to open with when I opened my window shades this morning to find ice. I couldn't see out. I couldn't see out my kitchen window because it was all covered in ice. And I had to decide whether I was going to be content or not in my situation. But here's the thing. Everybody has good circumstances and everybody has bad circumstances, difficult circumstances, challenging circumstances. Now, this is so important because this is what we're going to talk about in this series. It really comes down to this. You are either going to make a choice in your life that you're going to constantly chase, constantly chase better circumstances or you're going to learn to find contentment in the circumstances that come your way. It really is a choice. A, A, I'm going to constantly chase better circumstances. I'm going to always want something different. Or B, I'm going to learn the secret of being content in whatever the circumstances are. This is so important, and I, I call this the, the, uh, the fill-in-the-blank culture. Most of us have a blank, and the blank is the thing that's finally going to make us happy, right? It's that one thing that, boy, when I get that, and I'm there. Anybody know this? I am going to be happy when... Fill in the blank. Now, let's do a little experiment. How many have ever had this before and you notice the blank changes? In other words, you thought, I'm going to be happy when, and you put it down there, and then you married him. (laughs) And then you graduated, and then you got that job, and then you got that car. Huh? How I many you know, for some of us, it was as simple as a car. Once I get a car, I'm done. I'm there, right? And the blank keeps changing. So what Paul was teaching was there is a way to be content regardless of what fills in the blank. Now, um, you know, forgive me if I overuse this. Um, but I, I know I've used it a couple of times, but just permit me a minute. I've traveled a lot overseas, and especially to different third world countries, doing you know, work with the church and the, the work that we've done in Malawi, places like that. And whenever we, we go, we'll take people with us. And the people that come with that have never been before, we'll use Malawi as an example. Um, Pastor Bright's headed back to Malawi Tuesday morning, early. Yeah, and um, the thing that always strikes people is this. They can't figure it out. These people are so poor. They have so little. And they're all, all of our team, they're always scratching their head. How is it that they're so, what? Happy. You already know the answer. Why are they so happy? That doesn't make sense. You know, you, it's like you want to grab them and go, you can't be happy. You, how can you be so happy? And it's a very frustrating exercise for people. Um, a lot of, I'm not kidding. A lot of people have 
been there. They, they've thought, how can I just move here? How could I import this? Now, it's something to think about. Because we, you and I, if you grew up here, if you grew up in this sort of environment or culture, you grew up under capitalism. And capitalism has done amazing things as far as producing wealth, advancements in science, advancements in all the... because of the, the way it's structured to constantly compete... And so you're you're getting better science, you're getting technology, you're getting all of these things. But there's there's a law of unintended consequences, like with a lot of things. Just relax. Don't throw things or email me. Just hold on. Look, the, the law of unintended consequences is we've been trained, our mind has been trained to always want more. That's what fuels our system. Your mind has subtly been trained, you you need to want more. You need to want more. You need to want more. People are paid millions of dollars, millions of dollars, to get into your head, to get you to think you you need to buy something else. You need to have something else. You need to move somewhere else. We know this. Pay millions of dollars for a 30-second advertisement, um... On a, during a football game. Why? Because people in big corporations like to throw money away? Oh, no. They know exactly what they're doing. And I'm making a point here just to help you understand. You and I have been trained. So if you grow up in a third world country where the possibility of that is not even there, you, you're forced, listen very carefully what I'm saying, you're forced at a very young age to learn this secret that Paul was talking about, that you and I don't have to learn because we don't have to learn to be content because we can stay on the treadmill of, oh, no, it's just around the next corner. No, no, it's just it's just the next promotion. It's just the next thing that I'm going to get, and then I'm going to finally be there. And so what we don't often realize is mentally we've been sort of trained that We're almost happy. We're almost there. Paul goes, I've learned. I've had a lot. I've had a little. And I've learned. So first of all, you have to learn. Second, you can learn. Everybody look here. Smile. You can learn. Now think about this. Some of you don't want to. Right now, you just tune me out because I don't want to learn that. I don't want to learn how to be happy with a little. I just want to have more. That's exactly what you're thinking right now. Like, I don't, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm just not interested in that. And if you're honest, you just put that out. That's exactly how you feel. I'm not interested in learning how to be happy with less. I'm just interested in having more. The problem with that is you'll never really arrive at your destination. Because as soon as you get that, there's going to be something else that you still want. So by not having, this is so important, By not having, sometimes that's the way that forces us down the path of learning contentment. Now, some of this has happened to some of you. You had a certain status. You had a certain financial arrangement in life. You had a certain job. You had a certain neighborhood. You had a certain this. And then you lost it for whatever reason. But with me. And then you had to find out, can I be happy, quote, here? And it forced you into a new kind of thinking. If you've never had this, 
you have no idea what I'm talking about. If all you do is get better grades and make more money and have more fans and more Facebook likes and everybody worships you, you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Someday you will, but you have no idea what I'm talking about. How many of you here grew up somewhere near my neighborhood making yourself fried bologna sandwiches? Huh? You know how to do it, right? You gotta cut the, you gotta like, like, like triangles. You gotta cut the edge of the curl up, right? And you learn a few things if you grow up in a certain way. And if you have a certain things that happen to you in life, certain things that you learn. So Paul, if you read his life, it was like this, it was like this, it was like this, it was like this. And he made a decision to learn something about being happy or content with his circumstances. It, if, I, if I could say it this way, go home, read the fourth chapter of Philippians. We'll, we'll sort of start there with this series. But over and over again, Paul starts to formulate this recipe, how he learned, and he passes it on to the people. And one of the things that he says is, rejoice, or just be happy, or maybe the word we would really translate best is celebrate. 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 Every day, celebrate. Celebrate what? That it's today. That a day started. You know, every day, get the candles out, right? Light a cigar, whatever it is that you do that makes you go, wow, today is a day to celebrate. He goes, just rejoice, just be happy. And he goes, I'll say it again, Philippians 4, right? I'll say it again. And I was trying to drive this home, celebrate. So the first thing that we have to do every single day is you wake up in the morning and you celebrate. Why? What's to celebrate? It's today. Huh? Get a candle, put it on your Cheerios. You know, it's Every day, no, think about this, because you wake up every single day with a choice, and the choice is to what? Feel anger, to feel resentment, to feel worried, to feel, but how many know you've been through a lot of those days? And you're here you are, you made it. And what did the anger or the worry or the, what did it do for you? It didn't produce anything for you. This is what Jesus taught us about. And this was the wisdom of his teaching about just every single day you celebrate today. Today. I got today. So he goes, just rejoice. Celebrate. First thing you do when you wake up in the morning, just celebrate. Oh, man, what a day. Huh? Look at, look at the ice on the window. Look at that. Huh? Who gets to see that in April? Right? Now, listen, listen. Will you have to be creative? Yeah, you will. Stay, stay. But isn't that the stuff that you learn in the seasons of life when you didn't have? Didn't you learn how to make lettuce sandwiches? Didn't you learn how, didn't you, didn't you get more creative? So every single day, you start with a celebration. And yes, you'll have to be creative. But you know what? The first thing you want to put in your mind is rejoice, celebrate. Wow, we have today. Getting outside of today always gets us into trouble, doesn't it? And I think if anything Christ taught us, it was, you know, give us this day our, what? Daily bread, our daily bread. Huh? And you know the, you know the reference, 
Exodus 16, you know, the manna that came, right? And in the morning it would cover the ground, and when the dew would leave, in Exodus it says that, that uh, you know, there, were, there, were, there would be manna, and it was, actually it means what is it, because they didn't know what it was, and there was, there was the, the bread that came every single day. And the commandment was, just take enough, take an omer, which is a certain measurement, take for every person in the house, take enough for how much? One day, take enough for one day. That's all you need for one day. Moses said, now go out there and get it. Get enough for one day, and it'll, it'll be back there tomorrow. Now, what did they do? What would you do if there was a bunch of, you, you hadn't had bread in a long time, or you, you, and, and it's on the ground, and what would you do? How many get a little extra jar? How many get a little extra jar? Just come on. Get a little something. Put a little something aside, right? So, of course, they did. Right? They didn't take for that. They took for that day, and then they had to take a little bit for the next day. And it says, when they woke up, the food that they had saved up for the next day was what? Full of maggots. You go in the pantry, son, can you get that stuff that we saved over from? And here's, here's the point Jesus taught us give us today our daily bread, just enough for today. What destroys our contentment? This is so important. What destroys our contentment more than anything else in life, to me, is this. Living outside of today. Living in yesterday or living in tomorrow. That's where we lose our contentment. Worried about what happened yesterday. Worried about what might happen tomorrow. There's enough for today. Everybody look here. There's enough for today. This, this will change your life forever if you can learn to celebrate in one little bite-sized todays. I have enough for today. I can be happy today. Paul goes on to say, let your gentleness, let your gentleness be known to all, evident to all. What an interesting part of this recipe, gentleness. What does that have to do with anything? But have you noticed, have you noticed that when you're not content, you're aggressive? You're, you're, you're edgy, you're pushing, you're reaching, you're driving, you're angling. And when you're content, you're calm. Think about it. First you celebrate, and the second thing, and this is so important, is just be calm. Just be calm. Be gentle. When you're not content, you're grabbing, and you're reaching, and you're clawing. And how many know if you get on the freeway, there's a lot of uncontent people? I know it's not you, but they're out there. In, in other words, there's, there's a sense of aggression. Think about it. Our, our culture really lacks calm, gentleness. What will gentleness get you in this world? Like nothing. It'll get you absolutely nothing. 
You gotta get out there and take it. You gotta, you gotta angle. You gotta fight, right? And think about this. It's the opposite. But there's something about what Paul was teaching us. He goes, gentleness is this thing that it's the opposite of aggression and it's the opposite of taking charge. It's sort of allowing things to happen. Then Paul says this. Turn your, all your worries into prayers, right? Turn all your worries into prayers. So the things that come to your mind, so you're celebrating, right? This is a today, I have today. So I'm going to be calm. I literally think it would be helpful for all of us to have a couple of minutes of calm. Like, Chris, you don't know my life, right? I don't. But you know what? I think it's so vital that you find a quiet place, a calm place. You might have to, might have to be your drive, you know, by the way, if you have, if you do have a drive, you know, what are you doing with it? Do you use your drive to just cram in more anger and angst? You know, get yourself all ramped up on the news against the other team. Huh? Some of you love that. Oh, good. I'm going to get angry all the way to work. I'm going to listen to all this stuff, right? And get myself all amped up. Does that help? Or, or, is, or maybe if you have a drive, Maybe that's your calm. You know, maybe you put on some music that's edifying, that changes your perspective. You get this sense of calm, and then things, that things will come to mind that you're concerned about. Concerned about my son, you know. I'm, I'm, man, I'm just, my daughter's making these decisions. Man, this, and what I have to do is I have to turn those into prayers, Turn all my worries into prayers. It's that, it's that motion of giving all the stuff that is just troubling me over to God. This is a powerful exercise. This is not something to be overlooked. But you're handing all these things over to God. You're saying, God, I, I can't carry these around. But could you carry them for me? And then I'm going to show you the next verse. This is what Paul says. And... Philippians 4, 7, and he goes, and the peace of God, right, which transcends understanding. Let's say it together, ready? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So something, here's the way you understand a situation. I understand this is not good. I understand this is a problem. I understand, this is what you can grab in your mind. This is so important. Look, I mean, if your faith means anything, If your faith means anything at all, it should mean something right here. That you can transcend what you understand. It's like we almost worship our intellect. We almost worship our minds. We analyze. Some of you are really proud of the way that you can analyze and think, and you have this, and you have rationalized this, and you can rationalize that. But Paul goes, there's another level. There's another level. And it transcends. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of our American Christianity, we don't transcend that much. We don't allow God supernaturally, supernaturally, you, you, you shouldn't be calm. You shouldn't be at peace. You should be at, but something's overcome you. You've transcended. You've transcended your understanding of your situation. You have something else, you're, you're clued into something else that other people aren't clued into. 
You should be really mad right now. You should be really upset right now. You know what? But something's transcending me. The peace of God transcends. We probably don't have enough transcendence in our versions of faith. Because all we have is our minds and we get locked into what we know and what we don't know. Ready? I'll give you an exercise. Paul goes, I learned the secret to have a lot and a little and not be content in either one. I'll give you an exercise. Because usually we've all learned this first exercise. We've, we've all done this exercise. You close your eyes and you imagine yourself, right, hitting the winning shot. You imagine yourself, right, getting a raise. You imagine yourself doing this. We, we, we grew up in that kind of culture. Imagine yourself in this perfect scenario. All right, I want you to imagine yourself doing chores at home. Real menial chores. I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking about what are the most menial chores, you know, and the guy was, he was swearing it's doing the dishes because it's like, they, why do they leave everything there? Why can't you at least rinse it? Anybody? Can't you at least rinse it? Just rinse it for me. I'll do the rest. Anybody have this conversation in your house? Just get the gross stuff off so it doesn't get hard. No, that doesn't happen in your house? And then, and see, some people talk about it's laundry, it's, but just think of it. The, the, it's cleaning the bathrooms. Ready? Imagine yourself, ready? Completely happy doing that. That's, Chris, this is stupid. Why, why are you doing this? Because this is silly, and you know, no one's ever going to be happy doing that. And you, okay, maybe. Or maybe I'm right. Maybe you could be over a crusty plate in your kitchen, scraping away, and completely happy. There's a rich, actual, there's actually a rich Christian tradition about this whole idea. It's called transcendence. If you dare to read, if you dare to do some research, um, on a guy like Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God. He was actually a cook. He worked in the kitchen, and he learned to transcend. He learned to work in a kitchen and find transcendence, to find peace that other people could never find. And they could be on an island. They could be in Bora Bora, you know, with servants and people and all, and they can't find it. And here he is in a kitchen scraping plates, finding transcendence, finding peace that, that boggles the mind. I'm asking you to do it for a reason. And the reason is because a lot of us never, ever picture ourselves happy under normal circumstances. We never picture ourselves really happy doing a menial task. Happiness is always some extraordinary thing. And by the way, I'm all for it. I mean, climb the mountain, go to the beach, watch the sunset. I'm there with you. I do all the above. But if the only time you're going to be happy is when you're doing that. You're going to be miserable a lot of your life. Everybody close your eyes. Ready? Close your eyes. Dishes, laundry, and you're happy. No, you're really happy. You're happy because there's food to scrape. You, you know what? You're happy because perhaps there is a family member to share a meal with. You're happy because there's running water. You're happy because you're there. 
The Bible says peace of God, you can open your eyes, will transcend human understanding. I think, you know, if anything people should know us for, it should be transcendent peace. You know, man, that guy, man, that gal sort of transcends. Everybody's losing it. Everybody's going, this person seems to have some sort of transcendent peace. Very famous passage also in Philippians says this. Then, brothers, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous, right? Whatever is noble, whatever is of good report, think on what? These things. Now, take the channel in your mind and dwell. Dwell on good. Rehearse good. Rehearse the good. Go over the good. Now, what does our mind often want to do? Must be truthful. We're going to rehearse the bad. I've done it. You've done it. I got wronged. And I'm going to go over this one more time to myself to make sure that I know that I got wronged. I'm going to rehearse to myself. I mean, I really want to let myself know how bad I got it. Anybody? And you go over it. And, and Paul's saying that that's not going to do any good. Read Paul's life. Read the stuff that happened to Paul. You have to change the channel in your mind and say, you know what, I'm going to choose, I'm going to find a way to laser into focus whatever is of good report. Think on these things. Some of you, that means the channel on your dial. Some of you, it does. Some of you, it just, I mean, literally, I've talked to people like, I literally got freed when I turned the news. I literally got freed when I just had to. Why do you just keep dwelling and dwell on what's good? Dwell on what's virtuous. um, I'm out of time, but um, we'll we'll pick this up next week. Um, But there are connections to contentment that's transcendent here to peace in other areas of our life. And uh, we're just out of time. But here's what I'd like for you to do for a... um, an exercise. I, I want. I, I would like everybody here to find some menial exercise that you've done this week or last week or something that you dread. And I want you to go do it. And I want you to celebrate while you're doing it. To celebrate. Because some of you have just locked yourself into that, that, that one chore or that one thing, and you know, you're, you're mad just thinking about getting ready to do it. And you, you're ruining yourself. And you say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to find joy in this. And guess what? You're going to be amazed that you do. You know what? I'm going to get this plate so clean. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take so much pride doing this. And some of you think, no, Chris, you're just saying this stuff and that doesn't really work. Because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it doesn't work. Doesn't mean you can't learn. And I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. But Paul said, I have learned the secret. It's something that can be learned. All right, let's